And sometimes it's not easy, is it? We're talking this month about enjoying life, but sometimes life isn't easy. Sometimes people will say, how are you? And we say, I'm fine. But the reality of what's going on beneath the iceberg of our lives is very different. What we show people is that we're enjoying life and things are going well. But sometimes underneath it, it's not always like that. You know, and sometimes the show of social media and the show of what we show people when they ask us is very different from what's really going on behind our lives. You know, sometimes you look at social media and you see images of smiling faces and happy family photos, but the reality is there's relationship breakdown going on behind it. Sometimes we see people buying new things and holidaying and going on day trips, but the reality of it behind the scenes is they're facing financial ruin. You know, sometimes we see that people are happy and they've got friends, but the reality of it is underneath it all, they're depressed and that they're lonely. Sometimes we, people show us and say to us how much they're achieving and the opportunities that they have, but actually underneath all that, there's a lack of value and worth. They, they feel like they've got no future and they've got no hope. And when we see our lives in and through social media or in and through the face that we put on, then actually we're not seeing a reality. And the only way that we can find a reality and truly enjoy life in the good and in the bad is when we do life in and through God. Not in and through social media and what we want to portray to people. Not in and through what we say to people on a Sunday when we see them or when we go into work and we say that we're fine. But the reality is that God wants you to enjoy your life. But the other reality that walks alongside it is sometimes life isn't very enjoyable. So how do we marry the two together? How do we marry together the fact that God wants us to enjoy life, but that sometimes life's just rubbish? Anybody ever wondered? And you see some people and they just seem so happy and so joyful and you just think, seriously? But I believe that God wants us to learn to enjoy our life when it's going really well, because it does, when we're really happy, because we can be, but also when we're sad and when life is difficult. God still wants to teach us and show us how we can enjoy him and enjoy life because we do life in and through him, not in and through our circumstances and our difficulties. Does that make sense? So before we start this morning, if you've got a journal out or you're making notes on your phone, if not, just make a mental note. I want you to answer this question. On a scale of one to five, five being the best and one being the worst, how much do you enjoy life? Be honest, no one's looking. And if you don't want no one to look, write it really tiny. So even you, when you look back, will think, what did I put? God see it. But on a scale of one to five, how much are you enjoying life at the minute? And I'm going to ask you again at the end. Because this morning, I want to try and change your perception. I want to try and help you to see things differently and twist things around. Let me read to you from Romans 12, verses 16 to 18. I believe this gives us a remedy to enjoying life. It says this, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, 
live at peace with everyone. And I just think that is an amazing part of the Bible. And if we can build those things into our lives, then I truly believe that they can help us enjoy life in and through every season. But, you know, last week Paul, Paul spoke on John 10, 10. And if you've not listened to it, if you weren't here, can I encourage you to go and listen online? It was a phenomenal message. But it talks in John 10, 10. The thief comes only in order to steal, to kill and destroy. And this is Jesus talking. I have come in order that you may have life and life in its fullness, in its abundance, in its beyond what you thought, in its more than enough. That's what Jesus wants to bring. And we find ourselves being hijacked from enjoying life. Things come and hijack us and stop us enjoying life. You know, maybe it's things that we think. Maybe it's our circumstances. Maybe it's fears that we have. Maybe it's financial situation. Maybe it's our health or a diagnosis. Maybe it's anxiety or depression. Maybe it's what we believe about what Jesus says that isn't correct. And it hijacks us from enjoying life. The battles we face can lead us to either side of what Jesus says. That the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but Jesus comes to bring life in its abundance. So we can find ourselves stuck on either side of what Jesus said. We're either stuck in things being stolen and killed and destroyed in our lives, or we find ourselves the other side in abundance. And Jesus doesn't want us to get hijacked from his abundance and fall into what the enemy wants for us. So I want to look at some of these opposing factors that lead us either side of what Jesus said. Some of the opposing factors that we see in Romans 10 that I've already read. And what we can do to help us to live life to the full when we find ourselves falling to the wrong side. Does that make sense? Okay, so the first thing is this. Difficulty versus harmony. And I'm going to give you two definitions to start off with. The definition of difficulty is this, that it's hard to accomplish, to deal with, or to understand. We've all come across a difficulty at some point, haven't we? It may have been in our maths lesson when we were at school, but at some point in life, we've come across a difficulty. The definition of harmony is this, the quality of forming a pleasing and consistent whole, the state of being in agreement or concord. I know which one I'd rather be in, I don't want to be in the place where I feel like things are hard to accomplish and deal with and understand and things are so difficult. And yet sometimes in life we can find ourselves there. But God wants us to be in a place of harmony where, where there's, there's, there's pleasing outcomes, there's a consistent whole, where there's agreement and concord, where there's just peace in that place and everything works well. God wants to breed harmony and humility into our difficulty. And sometimes we can fight the difficulty, but God wants to say this morning, stop fighting the difficulty and allow harmony and humility to come into the difficulty because it's that what changes it. And when we stop looking at fighting things and allowing God into them instead, then it completely changes and transforms our perception, but also our circumstances. You can't eradicate the difficulties sometimes. 
but you can bring Jesus into them. Bring Jesus into your battle. Bring Jesus into your heartbreak. Bring Jesus into your circumstances. Because when we think about Jesus correctly, then it no longer hijacks us from what he's calling us to. When we know that he's our fortress in difficult times, when we know he's our portion and he'll provide, when we know he's our hiding place when things are getting too difficult, when we know he's our provider and protector, then when things are difficult, we know who he is in that difficulty and it transforms us and it transforms the difficulty, although the difficulty may not go away because he comes in and he transforms and changes it. He no longer wants you to think, well, I'm either one side or the other of the divide. No. You are in him. If we do life in and through him, then he is in and through our difficulties. He is in and through our circumstances. So I've got some top tips this morning. Top tips to create harmony in the difficulty. Are you ready for them? Here we go. First one. Stay calm. How easy is it to panic and to freak out and lose the plot when things get difficult? A couple of weeks ago, I went um, for a walk with my sister and her twins, um, and we had a lovely wander down to the river, and when we got there, it was really nice, and Daniel fell in the stream, and we all laughed, and Chloe fell over as well, and we all laughed some more, and I thought, goodness me, what's wrong with your children, Ruth? And um, everything was going swimmingly until some cows arrived at the river where we were, and they were big. And they were cows. And they were not behind a fence, where, in my opinion, they should be. And at this point, panic began to rise. And my sister's daughter was like, I don't like the cows. Oh, my goodness, the cows are going to get me. <laughs> That's about right, isn't it, for Chloe? And I'm beginning to think, I really don't like cows. I've been chased by cows many times before. I, I, I think I'd like to freak out. I, I think maybe I'll just leave them all here and I'll run. And never mind about my children, I'm just going to run. I'm going to run back up to the bank where I can get away from the cows. Anyone else have an issue with cows? It's just me. You may have an issue with birds or whatever, but I have an issue with cows, okay? If you've got an issue with birds, yeah, do you, are, you, are you with me now? Imagine they were birds. Imagine they were something that you really don't like and that freaks you out. Spiders, whatever. I don't mind. Wasps. But they were cows for me, okay? That's just... I apologise to people who keep cows. I know there are some in the room and you love them dearly, but I don't like them at all, and they scare the life out of me. So at this point, I'm like, I would like to do this. And the kids are beginning to get a bit anxious, and the cows are beginning to walk across the river to where we are. And I'm thinking, go back, cows, and, and go back. You will look nice the other side of the river, and now you're coming this way. Go back, go back, go back. But they didn't go back, and they kept coming, and they kept coming, and I said to my sister, sh sh shall we start to walk back up? And she's like, yes, let's. And so we started to walk back up, and I'm going, just everyone stay calm. Everyone stay calm. Everyone stay calm. And, and the children were sort of getting a little bit anxious and a little bit stressed. Right, I'm like, don't run. Don't run. They will chase you. Don't run. Just, just walk. Just be calm. Just be calm. And I was far from calm. But I think I did a really good job of being calm because actually, even in my own panic and difficulty, I hope it helped the kids to stay calm where they felt a bit nervous because I stayed calm. Because panic ensues panic. And fear reads more fear but if we can stay calm even when we don't feel calm and if we can say okay well, it's going to be all right let's just, I'm just going to keep talking to myself positive talking positive thinking then actually the cows didn't want to chase us they didn't want to eat us 
they hadn't got huge vampire teeth and they weren't mutants in any way, shape or form. And they actually stayed in the river and cooled off because it was a really warm day. And they had no interest in us at all. But we had to stay calm. Otherwise, I think if we'd have panicked, although I was on the inside, staying calm helps create harmony in the difficulty. The next thing is this, respond, don't react. And it's very similar to staying calm. So often we will react to things. We will go up like a bottle of pop. We will panic about things. We will just, and it will all come out. But if we respond instead, if we take a moment, if we answer in peace and harmony, then it helps still the difficulty. The next one is this, speak to others respectfully. Difficulty sometimes arises through relationships with other people. And when we start to panic and we start to get stressed about things, then sometimes we can speak to them in a way that's not respectful and that's not helpful. So if we remember, even when we're stressed, even when we're worried, even when we're having a panic about something, if we can stay respectful and speak to people calmly and gently, it can actually transform the difficulty. The next one is this. See the good in the circumstances, in the situation. It's so easy to focus on everything that is going wrong. It's easy to do. One of the things that I think is really helpful, I don't know whether many of you journal, but if you do journal, it's easy to write down everything that's difficult and going wrong, everything that you're feeling about everything, which is not a bad thing, it's good. But when you do it, always put something positive at the end. Always put something positive that you feel about something or that you think about something. It may be nothing to do with the difficulty that you're talking about, but remind yourself there is positivity in life. The last one is this. Don't run away. J. John says this. When you're running away from God, the devil will always provide transport. You know, sometimes we think... God wants to take us on an easy path and it's just going to be easy to do this. But it talks about in the Bible that narrow is the way and difficult the path that leads to everlasting life. When things start getting easy, you've got to start wondering, is this the enemy taking me somewhere that I shouldn't be going? Is this a way out for where God's calling me to? And it's not always because sometimes God gives us a season of peace and a season of space. And that's why we need to have wisdom and ask people's advice. Ask what other people think. Ask what your small group lead thinks. Talk to somebody and get some wisdom. But don't run away. Don't run away from God when he's calling you to go through the difficulty. Keep going. Keep striving. Keep pushing. The next thing I want to pick out of Romans 12 is this, conceit versus worth. And it says in it, do not be conceited. I was like, what's conceit? <laughs> you know, and you have to look something up because you know what it is, but you're not quite sure. And it's when you're too proud of your own ability. It's when, and you probably, many of you probably think, well, I'm not a proud person. I'm not a conceited person. Let me ask you this. How many times do you think I'm better and you get cross because other people don't see that you're better. And you get annoyed because other people don't see your gift or what you can do or what you're good at. 
and it begins to infuriate you and it begins to fester because you think, why don't they see what I'm good at? Why don't they see how I could do this and I could be helpful? Why don't they see and recognize my gift? Be careful when you begin to think that way because that's conceit. And I think it's one of the biggest barriers to finding our true worth in God. Because actually we're fighting for who we believe we are. We're fighting for who we think we are and what we think we can do. But God wants to say, oh, hold yours. Come back. Be at peace. Let me show you your true worth. Because then you don't have to fight and you don't have to shout about it. And you don't have to tell everybody all about what you can do and how wonderful you are. Because you think, nobody ever bigs me up. Nobody ever says thank you to me. Nobody ever says well done to me. Be careful. God wants to give you a worth that doesn't need any of that. Because otherwise that place breeds conceit. You know, don't put others down. We raise ourselves by raising others, not by climbing on top of them. Let's notice that God sees the worth in everybody as well as in us. And allow him to help us to grow and change and to listen to him. So here again are some top tips to see the best in ourselves and others. So not to be conceited, but to look for the best, to see the worth. First one is this. There is something in everyone. No one has nothing to give. I remember hearing a story by um, a pastor called John Glass. And he told this story of a vicar that he knew who had a very small congregation and he didn't really think much of him and didn't think he was, you know, got a great deal to give. He was faithful in what he did, but he just, you know, he didn't grow his church much and he didn't do any of these things that maybe we think make a good vicar or pastor. And the, the pastor passed away. And a little while later, John Glass met this gentleman who was, who was a pastor of a big church, a thriving church. And he said to him, I believe you knew this, this pastor. And he said, yes, I did know him. And he said, he was the man who knocked on my door every day when I was a drunk. Just to get some routine in my life. To say, come on, get up. Come and do something with your life. And every day, faithfully, this man would knock on this drunk's door. And every day, no matter what response he got from him, he would go back and knock on his door to try and bring some routine into his life. And John Glass said he had looked down on this man. And yet actually the, the things that he had done in his life had transformed this other pastor who had then gone on to do great things. Don't see what you think is nothing in people. There is something in everybody. There is something of worth and value in us all. Let's look at one another with God's eyes and not with man's eyes. The second thing is this. Instead of looking for the negatives of the differences, look for the positives. We're all different. Not one of us are the same. And it's so easy to think, that's just such a negative thing how they are. I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't get that. But God wants us to look at the positives in other people. And then work with them and think, they're really good at that, actually. They may not be brilliant at that, but wow, they're really good at that. And I'm not. Maybe we could work together. See the best in people. The next one is this. Humble yourself. Let God lift you. Stop trying to force it. Stop trying to lift yourself. Allow God to lift you. 
And the last one is this, ask and receive others' thoughts. It's so easy to think and think and think and think ourselves and think that that is right. But sometimes we think and think and think and think and actually what we're thinking and what we're building on isn't actually a truth, isn't actually helpful. So allow other people to speak, speak into your life. Listen to what they say because God wants to change us through one another. So the first one was difficulty versus harmony. The second one, conceit versus worth. The third one is this, repaying evil for evil versus doing what's right. And do we know what's right? Generally, do we know what's right? I think we can be quite, quite black and white about it, but we know what's right. Sometimes it's not very clear cut. Sometimes it can be difficult to know what's right and what's wrong. But sometimes it's easy to know what's right and to know what's wrong. So if I'd gone into somebody's bag and stolen their purse, is that right or is it wrong? It's wrong, isn't it? So this, this morning, before the service, I went in someone's bag and stole their purse and they didn't notice. Then that's really wrong, isn't it? You changed your bag as well. I found it really hard to find it. But that's really wrong that I stole Julie's purse. It's, it's really wrong. It's easy to see it's wrong. I don't know what's in it. Gary actually wanted to steal the stuff that was in it, Julie. I'll let you know. But it's easy to see that that's wrong. Thanks, Ju. Sometimes it's not so easy. Sometimes it's difficult to see what's right and wrong. But I think there's a remedy when we struggle to know. And it's from Galatians 6 verse 9 and it says this. Let us not become tired of doing good. For if we do not give up, the time will come when we will reap the harvest. If you don't know what's right and wrong, do what's good. Think to yourself, is this a good thing? Is this good for me? Is it good for those around me? Is it good for everybody it will impact upon? Stealing someone's purse is not good for me. I've been stressed all morning that Julie was going to look in a bag and realize it was there and have a real panic. And I kept saying to people, if Julie goes in a bag, will you just make sure? Will you just tell her it's not, she's not stolen? It's all right. Just trust it'll be okay. Because I knew it was bad and it was wrong and I just, it was like, it wouldn't leave me alone. And I kept looking and then when they did the offering and she had to go out and count, I'm thinking, it's okay, she hasn't been in a bag for offering, it's all right. She's not, she's not having a panic on the front row. <laughs> Julie goes online, it's okay. <laughs> but there's grace and mercy when we do things wrong. When those things haunt us and bother us and, and we don't find any peace there's grace and mercy for us. Hebrews 4.16 says this, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So many of us get stuck here because the enemy tells us that there's no bridge to the other side of the thing that we did wrong. There's no bridge from where you stole that purse to the other side where there's forgiveness and there's grace and mercy. There's no bridge. There's no way back. You can't come back from where you took yourself. 
But Jesus makes a way. And Jesus brings truth to the lie that says there is no way for you. And Jesus brings new life where you can find peace and where panic no longer consumes you, wondering what someone's going to think of you. There's no need to get stuck in the things that you've done. But God wants to take you to a place where you know that you can do what's right now and you can move on from when you've done things wrong. So here are some top tips for doing what's right. And it's all about not holding on, believe it or not. Forgive. Forgive yourself. Lord, I forgive myself for stealing Julie's purse. And forgive others. Judy, forgive me. We're good then. Let go. Let go of the past. Let go of the pain. Let go of the hurt. Let go of the relationship breakdown. So often we hold on to it so tight, but God just needs us to let it go so we can come in and bring something different. When we hold it so tight in our hand, there's no space for anything else that God wants to give you. The next one is find peace. And again, don't hold on to the conflict, to the war inside yourself or with other people, to the disturbance, to the irritation, to the noise. Sometimes we hold on to those things because it's all that we know. Yet God wants us to let go and experience the peace and the quiet and the still small voice. The last one is be generous. Do right, even when others do wrong. Do right, even when others do wrong. The next thing that we can find in Romans is this. Disillusionment versus contentment. You know, very often what we think our job or our parenting skills and our relationships, etc., things like that should be. When they don't actually work out how we think they should be. When, when we look at things and, well, someone else should have done or been or said this, but they didn't. My job should have been this. Parenting should have been like this. My relationship should have been like this. But when it isn't, disillusionment comes. Things aren't as good as we thought they were going to be. Life's not as good as I thought it was going to be. The way, that I, the way that I planned this and saw this, not as good as I thought it was going to be. But when you know the truth and the truth sets you free, it brings contentment. But sometimes you've got to accept the truth. Sometimes the truth isn't easy to accept. Sometimes the truth hurts. Sometimes it's difficult to hear what you are or where you're at and where God wants to take you to. But when you can accept it, then Jesus comes in and he is the way out of that place. He's the way out of your disillusionment and your wonderings and your muddlings and why is it that, why is this, why is this all the time? But God wants to take you a new way and breathe life into you and breathe contentment into you. So these are my top tips for finding contentment. Stop looking at what others have and do. One of the biggest ways we become discontent is because we look at what other people have got and think, I wish I had that. I wish my life was like that. I wish my relationship was like that. I wish my job was, was so fulfilling. I wish my health was better. I wish I had a parent who was like that. Or who wasn't like that. 
I wish I had this, or I wish I had that. Have you ever heard the saying, you don't know what a good thing you've got till it's gone? So often we spend our lives looking at what everyone else has got and wishing that we had it. But you've got good things within you. Toilet roll is a prime example. You don't know a good thing you've got until it's gone. And when it's gone and there's none been left in there by the person before, then seriously, that toilet roll was a good thing. <laughs> it may have been the scratchy sort, but it really doesn't matter. So often we can get caught up in wishing for something else that we lose what we've got here. We lose what we've got in the now. We lose the positivity and the benefits that we've gotten that we see. Change your perspective. Begin to look for the good in your life. The second one is this, stop striving. Stop striving for something more. Stop striving for the bigger house. Stop striving for that car. Stop striving for that relationship. Stop striving for this or for that. Whatever it is that you're striving for, just stop. God wants you to be content. God wants you to just go, oh, actually life is okay. It may not be where I want it to be. It may not be the result that I want to see, but right now it is where it's at and it is what it's at. So God, I thank you. Contentment and thanks go hand in hand. Next one is this, find peace with who you are and what you have. And the last one, look for the best. Look for the best in your life. When, when Paul and I go uh, maybe to the shop or somewhere and you, and you end up queuing, I'm, I don't know about you, I'm not a very good queuer. I begin to... And then people taking a really long time on the tail. It's like, oh my word, can you just hurry up? What's the matter with you? Is that just me? And Paul's just like, oh, how nice. What a lovely day to be standing in a queue. I'm enjoying just looking at all these people and what they're doing and how fantastic, how wonderful to spend this extra time in this queue. What's that about? That is about looking for the best in your circumstance. Because two, two people's very different perspectives of standing in a queue, if you pick the right perspective, it can transform your day. It can transform that circumstance. I'm learning not to huff and puff as much in a queue. I'm still learning. The last thing I want to say to you this morning is this. Anxiety versus peace. You know, anxiety is a huge battle for us in today's society. And I think there's probably not one person in the room at some point who could say, I've never suffered with some form of anxiety. It comes in many shapes and forms. It attaches to us and affects us in many different ways. And it can be a huge battle in our lives. It can be overwhelming and it can be blinding that we can see no way forward that we can see no future because we're completely consumed when anxiety comes. And I heard a counsellor recently say this, anxiety is a person in the corner of the room asking you constant questions. And the best thing to do when anxiety comes and asks those questions, what's happening with this? Or are you worrying about this? 
Maybe there's a certain thing you're worried about. Maybe it's something to do with yourself. Maybe it's a circumstance that you feel anxious about. And there may not be anything that you can do about it. But she said this, the best thing to do is answer those questions. When anxiety comes knocking, asking its questions of you, answer those questions. Say, well, actually, I may not be able to do anything with that, but, but this, this is where things are at at the minute. And you may not have the answers to the questions, but answer the question that anxiety throws at you in some way, because then it's got no more questions to throw at you. And when it's ran out of questions to throw at you, God can begin to restore your peace. And God brings peace in many ways. God meets us where we're at. God takes our mess with him at times. God overtakes our anxiety with his peace. God shows us a different way. God speaks truth into our muddled thoughts. And God speaks new life into what we just feel is such a mess at times. And peace means freedom from disturbance. And God wants you to be free from being disturbed. Those things that come and disturb your sleep. Those things that come and disturb you when you're sitting and having a laugh with your friends and suddenly it pops in your mind. Those things that disturb you when you're trying to concentrate, maybe at work or at college or at school, and suddenly it pops up in your head. God wants to bring peace to those things that want to come and disturb your life, to disturb your thoughts and to breed anxiety within you. So these are my top tips for living in peace. Your peace is your responsibility. I've done them the opposite way around, I'm sorry. And the peace of another person is not your responsibility. So often we blame other people for the fact that we have no peace. Well, they did this to me. They upset me. They said this, they're not my friend anymore. They did this at work and it's caused me to be stressed and I have no peace because of it. I'm worrying about it. I'm worrying about this person and what's going to go on. But your peace is your responsibility. Yes, people can come and disturb us. Yes, people can come and upset us. But we have to make the choice to not allow them in and to answer those questions when they come and push that anxiety away. Sometimes people will come and disturb your peace by telling you that you've upset my peace. You've upset my life. You've made my life miserable. You've made my life rubbish. I hate you. Don't let somebody else's anxiety get rid of your peace because their peace is their responsibility. You've got to know sometimes it's not my battle. I've done all I can, but it's not my battle. And if you are in a right place with somebody and you are in a place where you've apologized if you need to and you're trying your best, it's no longer your battle. And sometimes we'll run around after people worrying about what we've done and what's gone on and we'll stress ourselves out because we think, oh my goodness, what's going on here? It's not your battle. It says in Romans if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you. It can only depend on you so far. 
And then it's people's responsibility to deal with their own peace. It's people's responsibility no longer to say, you did this to me. This is your fault that my life is like this. Apologize, be kind, love them, be generous to them. But as far as it depends on you, that goes that far. After that point, it's no longer your battle. You've done all that you can do, but that's not my battle. That's someone else's battle with their anxiety and bringing peace into their life. And I'm sorry if it sounds harsh, but I think so often we can get so caught up in it that other people drag us into their anxiety and fears. And God doesn't want you to go there. He wants you to help them. He wants you to support them. He wants you to pray for them. He wants you to to love them. But he doesn't want you to be dragged into their anxiety. The last one is this. Relax. One of the biggest things with anxiety is that you can't relax. You can't. You've got to constantly be doing something. Whether it's flicking through social media or or cleaning the house or doing something or or getting involved in something. Or I, I can't. There's no way that I can sit still and relax and just be still and know that he is God. Because if I do that, then I'm going to have to answer those questions that keep coming. And that anxiety that keeps whirling and coming around and consuming me. But if we can relax even if it's just for 30 seconds to start with, then it begins to give us just the view that things can be different, that things no longer have to be like that, that God has got something different. I'm going to conclude with this, and I want to read to you Romans 12, 16 to 18 again. But I want to read it to you from the Passion Translation. And it says this, Live happily together in a spirit of harmony and be as mindful of another's worth as you are of your own. Don't live with a lofty mindset, thinking you are too important to serve others, but be willing to do menial tasks and identify with those who are humble-minded. Don't be smug or even think for a moment that you know it all. Never hold a grudge or try to get even, but plan your life around the noblest way to benefit others. Do your best to live as everybody's friend. You know, life can be difficult. Life can be full of conceit and evil, of disillusionment and anxiety. But if we allow God to come in and through our lives, then harmony begins to come. Worth begins to grow. Doing what's right begins to take place. Contentment begins to settle and peace slowly begins to reign again. And practically, it can be very difficult, which is why I've done a very practical message because I wanna give you those tools to help you to overcome, to help you no longer live in a place where the enemy is coming to steal and kill and destroy, but where you can live a life of abundance and fullness because of who God is. And it's not easy and there's no quick fix sometimes. But if you're committed to the journey, if you're committed to allowing him in, then I believe that God's got a new horizon for you. 
I believe that he's got a bigger view. He's got more faith for you, more hope for you, more love for you. If we can fix our eyes on him, then we can begin to see life differently. We begin to see with his eyes his eyes. We begin to see where he's taking us to. And it may not be where we are, but it gives us hope that there's something new on the horizon for us, that we no longer have to stay stuck in these places. When we begin to enjoy life in and through him, not through the difficulty, not through the conceit, not through the evil or the disillusionment or the anxiety, when we begin to see life through him who is life, then it brings life to us. And it may just be a tiny flicker at the beginning, but that tiny flicker will grow if you keep breathing on it and you keep encouraging it and you keep trying to bring harmony in and trying to bring worth in and trying to do what's right and trying to find contentment and trying to find peace. If you keep doing those things, then God will come and begin to transform your life. I want to ask you again, on a scale of one to ten, how much are you enjoying life? Because I hope that maybe you're in a better place than you thought you were. Or maybe if you're not, I hope that you've now got some practical tools to help to move you up that scale. And I want to encourage you this week. Look, what are those practical top tips? What can I take out of there? I can't do everything at once, but what one thing can I take to help bring some transformation to my life? Pick one of them. Work on one of them. And allow God to help you to begin to enjoy life, to see the best, to look for the good. I'm going to ask the band to join me and I'm going to pray. Let's just stand, shall we? Father God, I thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross. I thank you that you sent him so that we could have life and have it to the full. And God, when we find ourselves in places of difficulty and anxiety, God, I pray that you would help us to see things differently, that you would help us to see things from your perspective. God, I pray that we can practically move forward and do something different. I pray, God, this morning that each of us would take one of those practical tips and commit to working through it this week to help us to break through and to enjoy life and to have life in all its fullness. God, I thank you that in every circumstance and situation that you are our portion, that you are our fortress and our strong tower that you are our provider. God, I thank you that you are there and that you are with us in and through the difficulties. And God, I pray that in and through all of those things, that you would do something significant in us and breathe life into us, God, I pray.